Hello, my friends. Welcome to The Gun Show. I am here today with my really good friend, John Walsh III. Uh, he works with a company called Trident here in the northeast of the U.S. And uh, I've known John for quite a while, but today we're going to learn a little bit about his story, where he comes from, and what got him into the industry of misfits like the rest of us. <laughs> this is The Gun Show. So, John, could you tell us a little bit about you and your inspiration into becoming the uh, expert engineer, you know, machinist, technical guy that you are now? Sure, sure, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I started actually in manufacturing. My background's mechanical engineering. Um, so when I joined the industry, it wasn't machine tool specific. It was just general manufacturing. Did some custom machine design work, um, you know, manufacturing engineering and, that, and the like there. And then through that, um, ended up in a high production CNC environment, um, which I really enjoyed, which ultimately brought me over to Trident, um, where I've held multiple different roles um, from customer service, uh, productivity, uh, process improvement, engineering, um, and ultimately now capital sales. And did you always love engineering? You, you purposely went to school knowing, I, I know what I want to do. I want to make things. Or uh, did you dream of it as a kid? No. So I've always liked mechanical things. And it's a little bit funny how this went. So um, my grandfather had a background in civil engineering. And so he and I were very close. We still are. And we were talking. And he's like, you know, you should become an engineer. You should, you know, consider civil engineering. So this, I was probably uh, 13 years old at the time, and I was talking to a cousin of mine who's an electrical engineer, and he said, you don't want to be a civil engineer. You want to be a mechanical engineer. <laughs> civil engineers are a bunch of drunks. <laughs> he said, you should go into mechanical engineering. He said, do you want to design buildings, or do you want to design buildings that fly and shoot laser beams? <laughs> and I was like, sold. <laughs> and I changed my mind right then and there to mechanical engineering, and ultimately that's what I went to school for and been loving it ever since. It's a, that would have been like somebody telling me you can do what Star Wars can do. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay, I want to do that. Exactly, <laughs> yep, yep. He did put the caveat that the electrical engineering probably does the laser beam part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you've been doing this for quite a while now. I mean, I've seen you at trade shows in several places yep. for, for years and years. And um, I've known you for a while at Trident, who, to be fair, from what I know, uh, really, really expert team there. And, yeah. and you guys deal with some super high-end customers. So it's very important that your customer service and your knowledge base, it, it goes deep into the roots of understanding the machine and machining concepts themselves, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, New England is a very diverse place. You know, about the only thing that we don't have up here is, you know, the true automotive that you would find in the Midwest. But otherwise, Tier 1 Aerospace, firearms manufacturing, tons of medical, and then really everything in between. So, um, you know, definitely been important throughout my time here to really get to know and understand all of those different industries so that when you're walking into an opportunity or a situation, you can make the appropriate recommendations and, you know, really help your customers succeed. That's extremely important, and I'm glad you're doing that. Do you have a story you can share about maybe one of the more difficult tasks that you had that ended up becoming successful, where you helped a customer who was really struggling find a way to succeed? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got uh, a customer of ours in the aerospace industry um, that had a challenge. They were trying to make a, a very tightly toleranced, uh, complex component. And, you know, it was always a struggle and they just couldn't keep up with the production. Um, you know, so through a lot of troubleshooting, working with multiple different vendors, you know, contacts that I've, that I've made in the industry and, you know, really leveraging the support that we have um, by all of our partners, you know, we were able to develop a, a solution, a, you know, a complete solution from, you know, the work holding side of it through, you know, the machine tool, all of the options, and then even customizing the machine from there. Um, you know, to make that production environment really thrive and make it successful. I can't give, you know, obvious specifics about what it was or, you know, what we did, uh, you know, that kind of thing, um, just nature of the business. But, you know, certainly we run into that quite a bit up here, um, you know, where there's especially work-holding challenges, um, you know, with the parts people are trying to make. That's so true. I see not just in this area, but work holding challenges all over the place and how creative can we get. Right. Um, Trident is exclusively Haas, correct? Well, Trident is exclusively Haas from a machine tool standpoint. Okay. Um, we are a distributor for Mitotoyo, um, and then, of course, we, you know, distribute for multiple accessory lines. Um, and then, you know, we have some ancillary equipment that we can distribute for, um, you know, from band saws and things of that nature, support equipment. Uh, if you will, but from a CNC standpoint, it's strictly Haas. And what territories do you focus on with Trident? Yeah, so we cover all six New England states, you know, at Trident, but my specific territory is all of Vermont and the vast majority of New Hampshire. You ever sneak out of work and go snowboarding? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. But, uh, you know, this is my first winter actually in that territory, so, you know, looking forward to the opportunity to do that. Um, but I also still have maintained a role uh, because of my past roles. I travel, you know, at least one day a week with other salespeople in their territories, helping them as well. And you mentioned that you are traveling at least one day a week, even still where, you know, a lot of companies are advising not to travel or to have closed doors. Yep. Um, I typically don't go too much into COVID, but I like to see what people have learned mm. from the transition, you know, whether it's a new forever normal or, or something that's temporary that helps us grow and adapt to what we were doing before, whatever it may end up being at the end. Yep. I'm always curious in your line of work and what you've seen being in the, in the Northeast here. Yeah. Um, and obviously according to our entire nation in the U S this is a more restricted area than a lot of other places. Sure. Um, but so you've had to adapt and, yep. and what have you, what have you done to adapt and what have you seen either in growth or weaknesses within the industry um, sure. that you can, you can talk a little bit about? Yeah, so, um, you know, definitely been one of the more restricted areas from what you hear in the news and, you know, certainly what we've experienced. Um, that said, the specific states that I cover have typically, you know, throughout this thing been some of the ones with better numbers. Um, given the fact that the vast majority of our customer base is deemed essential, um, you know, and they still have needs, spindles are still turning, um, you know, it's, it's been really interesting. The, um, you know, the customers that know who I am, that want, you know, the, the expertise and background that I can bring and offer, 
um, are still accepting visitors, you know, on a, on a needed basis. Um, but, you know, things have become a lot more virtual for sure. You know, a lot more phone calls, a lot more emails and things like that. Um, which in my opinion is, is more a negative than a positive. You know, it saves on travel time and some of those kinds of things, but it really hampers the ability to truly analyze a process and make sure we're putting our, you know, best foot forward, so to speak, and, um, you know, offer a complete solution, you know, to a customer's needs. Uh, what I've seen is a lot of the time people know what they think they want, but, you know, we have like 92 models of machines. It's impossible for anyone, you know, outside of the, you know, being on this side of the wall to truly know everything that we offer. And so, you know, I, I fear that some people are buying what they know um, and losing out on an opportunity to do something better. Um, so I think that that's been one of the biggest challenges. Um, and then because I took over the territory during this, you know, pandemic, um, my name isn't out there. So, you know, a lot of people aren't even having the conversations with me because they've never had the opportunity to meet me. So I still have been able to travel because the states have, you know, been a little bit more eased on the restrictions, the specific ones that I cover. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been tough. A lot of us have gone to that digital world now, right? And, and, right. and you're right. We, even if it's subconsciously what I think, but I think it's very conscious is in our industry, we love to see things face to face. We yep. love to put our hands on the new equipment. We love to watch it run at a trade show. We want to go to a factory to make sure that this thing, as you mentioned, is running effectively and efficiently. Yep. Um, we can see by being at a place, okay, well, this exists now, maybe these are the flaws, and here's how we can make it better. Right. You know, this is a process, and if we're just maybe holding a phone as we're looking over a machine or whatever it might be, we're not solving everything. I could see that being a, a massive struggle. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, luckily, the, the process for me has been start the conversation digitally, whether that's through email, Zoom, phone calls, etc. When we get to a certain point where I start to feel uncomfortable in my ability to make those recommendations, you know, I assure people, hey, we'll follow all the protocols, we'll be safe, um, you know, but really would be beneficial to everyone if we could get, you know, on site and, and see these things in person um, because it, it makes a massive difference. It really does. Yeah, I mean, that's been my experience as well. You get A lot of it is you know, seeing to believe, right? And, and you got to really be up close and personal. And I miss the trade shows. I don't know about you, but it's a good time. Absolutely. You know, I, I say the same thing. It's like, you know, you, you get burnt out after a week at IMTS or whatever. But, you know, by the time the next one rolls around, you're ready for it again, you know? And even though there's, you know, the smaller trade shows in between and, you know, and some larger ones as well, yeah, man, I miss it. I really do. I, you know, because even, even if you're not meeting with customers there, meeting with partners, meeting with other vendors, you're learning, you know, you're able to see everything that's out there. I mean, that's another thing to, you know, that's, that I've noticed is I'm finding out way less about our partners and our competitors technology right now, because I'm not able to see it and talk about it and get hands on it, et cetera. You know, I used to 
spend lots of time on the road, you know, with, with other vendors and, you know, getting to hear their, you know, their take on, on an application and what they could offer for solutions, et cetera. And haven't done that a single time since, since March of last year. Yeah. Know? And a lot of guys, companies, people are doing everything that we can to do, you know, host webinars or right. uh, some sort of online event that, but let's be fair. I mean, it's got to be really exciting for a lot of people to visit because we're all plugging away, doing the best we can. Right. So to sit down in front of a computer and watch a show on one topic or five topics or whatever it might be, it's, it's difficult, right? Because yeah. we, we, we can go to a trade show and see a thousand different products in three days, four right. days. Right. And I'm with you, John. I, at the end of 2019, you wouldn't have caught me saying, I've missed trade shows. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exhausted. <laughs> Exhausted. But at the end of 2020, I'm going, well, maybe it wasn't so bad after all, was exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, part, of the, part of the struggle is, you know, I think it's a really real thing, but there's a fatigue factor. You know, even though people may not be working as much or working as hard even, the type of work that you're doing feels a lot more monotonous. And, you know, sitting in front of a computer for hours and hours on end, I mean, I'm a hands-on engineer. Like, that's never been my intent. That's never been my role. You know, when I said I went into engineering and I went into, you know, manufacturing, it was never with the intent of being a design engineer sitting behind a computer running, you know, CAD software and CAM software. You know, it just wasn't my thing. I wanted hands-on, you know, application-type stuff, building the machines, troubleshooting, et cetera. So I get very fatigued just sitting behind a computer screen. So even if the product seems really cool and interesting, I mean, to think about sitting through another webinar another, you know, Zoom call is exhausting. It really is. I, I had somebody tell me not too long ago, they said, you know, getting people to watch webinars these days is like trying to pull teeth from a hungry tiger. You're right. <laughs> like, I mean, what else can we do? Because, yep. we, you know, we're, we weren't, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't planned for this. We didn't plan for this, right? right? We weren't, we didn't construct the industry we're in. And I talk about this a lot um, with other people, sometimes on this show, sometimes, you know, off screen um, but there's a lot of industries that can run just fine on a digital platform, right? Sure. Like if you think of how fashion's been doing it for so long, if you think about what the movie stars have done, if you think about, you know, a lot of the other industries, they ha are built to, for online shopping. Sure. They, they yeah. can adapt real quick to an online, whereas with us, if I was to create a website that had all of the Haas machines, the UMCs, the VFs, and and it was a click of a button to buy one, it would happen from time to time. If I was a, you know, a, a Haas Amazon or something like that, right. it would happen because there yep. are so many people that are familiar with the product. Right. However, if you're trying to get anyone new, I mean, that's a lot of money to spend on something that, that maybe you do or don't know if it's going to have success. And if right. you are going to have ultimate success, we need people like you to be there, to talk people through it, to get the work holding, to get the cutting tools, to get the probing systems, sure. all of these things to create the most perfect environment. And that oftentimes requires us being there and being hands-on in a very capable way. Yeah. You know, one thing that's a benefit, I suppose, to the type of industry we're in is that the environment within most of the shops that utilize machines is naturally socially distanced, right? I mean, <laughs> the machines true. are large and 
typically it's one person running multiple machines, you know, uh, and that sort of thing. So I think in, in this industry, it allows us a little bit more ability to be on site with a little bit less, you know, fear about, you know, major ramifications from doing that. Um, still certainly a lot of locked doors, you know, a lot of people turning you away, you know, not right now, but the environment when you are able to be there, I think is, is pretty safe. And, you know, that's at least encouraging. Well, hopefully it will, you know, I don't know. I don't know if pass is the right word or we'll move on from it or we'll cure it. Yeah, right. I, don't, I don't know if there is a cure, but sure. certainly make it, you know, more livable, let's say. Yep. In the meantime, your teammates in Oxnard really do a great job of creating, you know, videos that are inspiring and educational and, yeah. and provide a, a great foundation for people who want to learn about it to learn. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they really have. I mean, the digital platform that Haas has built, you know, is, is second to none, in my opinion, um, for the industry. I mean, it's, it's really incredible stuff. Um, and let's face it, I mean, 2020 was a really tough year. It was the third best year in Haas' company history. Congratulations. So, you know, there, there is success. You know, we are seeing, you know, the, the changes that they've made and, the ch you know, how we've adapted. We're, we're having success with it, um, you know, which is really encouraging. It's, it's just the, uh, the, the fatigue of it, you know, on this side that's you know really a struggle more than anything but uh we'll get through it you know i i truly believe that i mean you know humans didn't make it this far you know and not make it through any hurdles i mean you know we've we've lived through a lot of things and you know we're still sitting here today so i'm encouraged that there's a lot of smart people out there and we can figure this thing out and come to some sort of you know um reversal to the the old way we used to do things right there's definitely there's definitely some good to what we've learned being forced in a corner but mm -hmm. there's definitely some good to the way we were doing it before absolutely so i think a mix of the two will be of, of great benefit to everyone and taking the knowledge and maybe a bit of patience that we've learned and, and adapting to yep. what we previously knew as well uh, and to your point about exhaustion you're looking at a guy who decided to you know, go backpack Mexico for a few months because <laughs> I was equal. I was exhausted as well. And yeah. it just, I personally needed a mental break and, right. and I, I can feel so deeply what you're saying. Yeah. Um, because I felt it in a very personal way as, as well, you know, sure. and, and I just, I needed to clear my head. I needed to figure out what was going on. And so, yep. yes, there has been an immense amount of pressure. So I, you know, I applaud everyone all over the world, yeah. anyone who's watching in any industry to just, you know, keep a head up, stay strong, you know, stay optimistic, yep. that type of thing. Yep. Um, it, we'll, we will go back to some sort of new normal at some point where we can travel around again right. and, and breathe fresh air. Yeah, you know, and I mean, the, the cool part about it is, so I'm a, I'm a really optimistic person. I don't get down often. So, you know, luckily for me, I've I've not lost hope or, or faith or, you know, really gotten down, you know, about any of this. I mean, I, you know, just kind of moved on and, you know, kept my focus on where I wanted to go and, you know, how we can make things better. So um, that's cool. But I've also recognized that some of the old things we were doing weren't necessarily producing the results we thought they were. And so there are some new ways that we can do things. 
um, even if they're uncomfortable at times. But we've learned, you know, I mean, we're a way more efficient organization now compared to where we were, right, mm -hmm. based on the way that we're doing things. If we've maintained, you know, the sales that we had um, prior to the pandemic, but no one's traveling, well, that's a big expense, right? So we, we've learned that there are ways we can do things more efficiently and better. Um, but again, at what cost? You know, there's there's the, the things that go on behind the scenes and, you know, the way people are feeling and, you know, all of those things that, that matter. Um, so, you know, I do believe it's not going to be exactly the old way we used to do things. Um, but I hope it's more of that than this. Yeah, well, here we are figuring it out along right. the way. Right. You know, so far, so far doing okay. Yep. Um, so Trident has some pretty strong roots in the area, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. How long have you guys been around? Oh, boy. You know, I should know the answer to that question. Uh, the Trident's been around quite some time. Um, the, the thing about Trident that's unique compared to some of the other HFOs um, is we've had a much more revolving sales staff than, than most. Um, so, you know, our most senior salesperson, um, Lorraine, she's been with the company, I believe, 14 years, uh, which, you know, good amount of time. And, you know, the next one's about eight, but then there's a lot five and less. Um, so the fact that we've been able to maintain the level of service and, you know, success that we've had is impressive because of the, you know, natural turnover that's occurred for, you know, this, that, and the other reason. Uh, there's not really any one that you could pinpoint. The organization is great. Um, the people are great. You know, it's just things have happened that, that kind of caused that. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely a well-respected company. There were certainly times where we were not, where our service was not where it needed to be. The support wasn't there. Um, but we've made significant improvements in the way that we do business and the way we leverage, you know, our CRMs and, you know, all of the tools available to us to improve that process. Um, you know, and at this point, we have a very, very well-respected service and support organization behind the product line that Haas provides for us. Well, I remember, to your point, I remember around February of 2020 when I had the great pleasure of stopping by. Yep. And we did a um, nice symposium on understanding how to do high-speed machining. Right. And at the very beginning of that, the head of your, um, I guess, service team, I believe it was, yeah. just made a special announcement talking about how significant all of that customer service and support is and, yep. and everything that you guys have put into it to make sure that, it, that you're – Everyone new and old is taken care of. Right. So I'm just, I wanted to echo your statement of saying it's being seen, it's being actualized, and, right. and that's a great gift of what you guys can offer. Sure, sure. Here in the Northeast. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're in a really fortunate situation because we're, we have four sister HFOs, I suppose really three now because one was, or two were combined into one. Um, but, you know, we have a network that's available to us um, under the Morris Group. And, you know, that's been huge as well. So when we run into something that, you know, we're scratching our heads and saying, you know, what do we do with this one? We've got 
the expertise and the longevity um, of those other HFOs, and we're able to make those phone calls, um, you know, and leverage what other people have done, what they've learned, um, which has been a huge support for, for me personally, um, but really our entire business. I'm going to ask you a question. Yep. As the engineering expert and far more wisdom than I have. I don't know about that. <laughs> you got a lot in there. Uh, what is your favorite Haas machine and why? Okay, so I'm going to have to give you two. And, it's, <laughs> and the reason for that is because I'm going to have to give you a mill and I'm going to have to give you a lathe. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Go for it. Okay, so my favorite Haas mill has to be a VF4SS. I just find it to be an incredibly useful platform, um, you know, enough travel to do a ton of different things, can make it fourth axis, fifth axis. It's just so versatile and expandable. Um, you know, the UMCs are great, but you're not going to get a 50-inch part in a UMC, you know. So there, there's just something about that platform the amount of room it takes in a shop, you know, the options that you can put on it that I just find it to be, you know, an incredible piece of equipment. On the lathe side, um, I would say it's an ST25Y. Um, I'm a huge Y-axis lathe guy that, you know, most of the machines that I've run in the time that I've run machines have been Y-axis subspindle lathes. Um, it's just something I think is great. So ST25Y, throw a subspindle in there, you know, you've got a, you know, four-axis milling machine if you really want it, you know, between your XYZ and your C. Um, and I just think it's a really expandable platform. Got a nice size through bore. It's a good footprint machine. And, again, versatility is what I like. So there's a lot of cool machines out there. You know, I'm really excited about this new one that we've got coming out, the VMT750, our, our actual mill turn. Um, basically combine a VF3 with an ST15, if you will. Um, I think that machine is going to, you know, really do some interesting things. I can't wait to get my hands on one. Um, but, you know, again, kind of a specific market. So if I were to ever, you know, start my own shop and, you know, make my own product, I'd have that VF4SS sitting next to an ST25Y. Well, now I got even more questions to ask you <laughs> because I didn't know about that new machine. So now I want to know more about that machine, but yeah. also I want to dive back into your two favorites. And just when you're talking about uh, reliability and, and adaptability and these types of things on the machines, um, they're really easy to set up for like a 3 plus 2 or sure. maybe like a Cobot or something like that to, to do uh, some style of automation as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and Haas is, you know, getting into the automation side of things as well. Um, we've got a lot of partners that are developing robotic solutions. Haas has their APL, you know, their automatic parts loader. Um, you know, they've got a FANUC robot that you can purchase directly from Haas and it's programmed conversationally through the control. Uh, there's going to be a lot of that coming up in the future here. Uh, that's a huge push for the organization and for the industry in general. I mean, we recognize that unfortunately based on the perception that's been in the education side of the industry for so many years kids weren't told to go into machining and there is just an absolute at least in new england i but i imagine echoed everywhere else you know lack of that skilled machinist that's available to to work that'll show up to work every day 
and um, it's forcing the hand of automation. There's no question about it. So the, the integration of any automation solution to the Haas control is something that I find to be really unique in the industry. Um, I, I've, you know, had robotic solutions and systems built in the past gets very complex, um, you know, and, and it's hard to get it right. And the fact that you can very simply uh, interface multiple different robotic options to the Haas control is, is really advantageous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, tons of different options available there. Um, we've got some partners that we're working with as well. Um, we recently recently put a system on a machine uh, from a company, Automation Within Reach. Um, you know, really excited to see how that one starts up. They were just training on it last week, actually. Um, so, you know, a lot of cool things in the works, and it's it's only going to get better. You are going to love the conversation that I had with Troy Simpson down in Danville at the National H-Tech Center there. Okay. Uh, he echoes also everything you just said about there being a lack of replacements or people to come in and run the machines, program the machines, fix sure. the machines, everything, right? So he's implementing. And uh, for those of you who have watched it, um, you may already know this, but he is implementing already in 19 middle schools and high schools around that area, um, starting in sixth grade, a program where people can start getting involved knowing that this is the field that they want to go into. Sure. And by the time they graduate high school, they have enough credits that they can go into the, into the uh, technical schools, almost ready to graduate from the technical schools as well, awesome. and then move on to a bachelor's degree. And it's this massive, massive program that actually comes from uh, tobacco taxes or, or something okay. yes he talks about it really eloquently uh, and he knows far more about it than I do so yeah check that out when you get a chance um, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new Haas machine because yeah. I'm intrigued yeah so um, you know Haas announced to us internally that they were going to be announcing a you know mill turn um, for one of their digital Haas, Haas tech events that they did um, in replacement of IMTS and so when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is cool. Because, you know, let's be honest, some people would refer to an ST25Y as a mill turn. It's a, it's a turning machine with milling capability. But I said, you know, a true mill turn is, is a different animal. So uh, I said, I want to see their take on this. So, yeah, they took essentially the platform, if you could envision a VF3, vertical spindle, you know, side mount tool changer, et cetera. And in replacement of the table, they mounted a lathe spindle inside, okay? Now, what's really unique and interesting about this machine is the vertical spindle can flip completely 90. So now you have your XYZ, A, if you will, and then your turning spindle. Um, so, you know, five axis capable at that point um, and can make some really unique, interesting parts. Um, what they do is they put an HSK spindle in it and so the tool changer will drop in a tool holder, lock the spindle orientation into position, and come down with a turning tool and turn the part. But then you can throw a milling tool in your milling spindle and go and mill the part. And what's really unique and different about this machine compared to a live tooling lathe is you have all this travel in the y-axis. So on our, you know, uh, ST25Y that I was talking about, plus or minus two inches in Y, which you can manipulate with X to, to make features farther than that from the center line. But with this machine, you have 
I believe it's 20 inches in Y. So it's just vastly different. Um, they've already built one. They, they displayed it uh, back in, um, I guess that would have been November. Um, October, November, I don't recall exactly when, but um, they displayed it, they ran it, they made a part with it. It was really interesting and, and something, you know, really to watch for. And, um, you know, I've been seeing the updates. They're, they're getting ready to ship these things. So, you know, you can go on the website, you can build one, and, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a cool machine. It sounds like it. It's, yeah. I love innovation. You mentioned when we breezed over it earlier that it might be, uh, customer industry specific and maybe not for everyone, but listening to you talk about it, I feel like it could be for everyone. Yeah, it could. <laughs> it does uh, so much. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Um, what I meant by that is sometimes when you get to a certain level of complexity, mm. it's just not the right fit for certain things. That so, does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the simple starting point for where, the, where I was going with that conversation is you kind of need to be starting with a round part. You don't have to. You could throw a square, rectangular, whatever part in your lathe spindle. But that's probably not the best way to do it. It's just a way to get by if that's the piece of equipment that you have. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I look at that and say, hey, it, it, it's going to be a really good fit for those aerospace customers that are making round parts that are complex, that have a lot of milled features, um, that you wouldn't want to make on a UMC, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, uh, a 16 inch diameter part, right? 17 inches long. Um, that's where this machine's really going to thrive in my opinion. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that one out. Any idea what that price tag will be? Yeah. So all the pricing's already published. Um, last I saw, I want to say the, uh, base price in the machine, which came with a number of options was 150,000. Seriously? Yeah. Sorry, guys at MTD. Um, I'm going to have to start my own garage shop. I just <laughs> I found the perfect machine. So it's been real. No, I'm just kidding. I love this job. Um, that, that's a fantastic price. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, that's unbelievable. But, hey, they're doing it. They're going for it. And, you know, who knows what might happen in the future. That, that may change, you know. But, um, yeah, I think they're being really aggressive. Uh, they want to get this technology out there. They want people to see it and buy it. Um, you know, another machine that they recently came out with and, and we just sold one that I'm pretty excited about is the UMC 1500 Duo. That one I did see, and that one looks cool too. It's, it's just a really unique concept, right? So I mentioned the VF4 being, you know, what I thought of as more flexible than potentially, say, a UMC 750. Well, in this case, the customer, you know, that I have that looked at it said, well, this is great, though, because I've got the trunnion that I can do my five-axis work, and I've got the three-axis station table over here. I can bridge apart right across it because they're in plane. Now I still have my 50 inches. The reason why I didn't say that that machine was my favorite is because the footprint's huge. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So it's just not necessarily a fit for every application. You but need a lot of space. You need a lot of space. You need a lot of space. But again, really cool product. Um, you know, I think they're innovating. They're giving us a lot of options to work with. Um, you know, we understand our place in the market and, you know, our market share and all of those things. And I think they're doing everything they can to support us to expand and grow that um, without getting outside of our wheelhouse.
Um, so, you know, I think we have a pretty solid understanding of our wheelhouse and, you know, we're, we're not going to get away from that. Um, but they're going to do some pretty innovative things, um, you know, with, with the technology that's already been, in, you know, in place and expanding that to do some really cool stuff. Right. Well, as we know, there are some pretty awesome machines out there, your own and competition. Absolutely. Um, so if we could hit a couple of bullet points, two, three, five, thirty, if you have them, of just the unique benefits that only Haas can provide. Mm -hmm. And maybe not unique solely, but one that I would like to say is it's U.S. made. Sure. And I think that's important to a lot of the companies who are reshoring right now and Absolutely. trying to bring business back to the U.S. Yep. Um, so that's the bullet point I want to give because you know the machines far better than I do. Sure, um, sure. So what, what's unique that while there are many, many great products out there, what does Haas bring to the table that's unique from uh, any other competition? Yeah. So um, quite a number of things. I don't know that I'll have 30 bullet points, but, <laughs> I, but I'll hit as many as I can. Um, so the, the very starting point whenever I have this conversation with a potentially new customer is the Haas control. So as you may or may not know, the Haas control has always remained the same. So in our showroom, we have serial number two VF1, uh, second machine that Haas ever built. Next to it is you know, a brand new machine. If you walk over to that control and you look at that button layout, it's identical to a new machine. So as people expand into newer pieces of equipment, they're standing in front of that machine, there's a familiarity that comes with that button layout that's really you know, unique. Um, the sec obviously, there's been plenty of development in the background of the control and how you navigate and things like that. Um, you know, expanded memory and high-speed machining and, you know, things of the like. But, you know, that one thing I think makes, you know, a, a really important part of people's, um, you know, thought process behind, hey, do I want to go with, you know, this Haas machine or do I want to go with a competition machine? Um, I've run multiple other controls and, um, you know, some of which I loved. But I didn't know that the next machine that I bought that was a different, you know, a non-Haas machine was going to have that same control because it might go away, um, which I think is, is a concern for people. So that would be the, the first part. Um, the second part about it would be the investment that Haas has made in the education industry. Um, so, you know, they have a standard program, comes with discounts control simulators for classroom style teaching, you know, full control that, that a kid can go and program on, uh, sitting at a desk, not in front of a machine, which is really cool. And, um, you know, extended warranties, and they just really support that well. Then they have, you know, the Gene Haas Foundation and, you know, all that they've done with that to donate money, grants for kids to go to school and, you know, things like that, which I think is huge. Um, U.S. made, very important. Um, and it's important for more reasons than just, hey, we're supporting, you know, United States citizens. Um, so the first thing we like to say when we're talking about, you know, the U.S. made machine tool is the control, again, specifically, it's made by Americans for Americans. So when you're standing in front of that control, you're not dealing with a bunch of symbology that you have to memorize. So, you know, kid coming out of school can go over to the control, look at it, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, you know, it's intuitive. If you want to, you know, go to your offset page, there's a button that says offset on it, right, which is, which is nice. Um, so that's not typically true about, you know, the, the competition's machines. 
Um, so there's that piece of the U.S. made, you know, um, point. However, the second point of that is because we're U.S. made and because we have the distribution model that we have through the HFOs, there's a level of service and support that comes along with that that I think makes us really unique. Um, you know, we have a saying, you know, internally, um, at least at Trident, that sales sells the first machine, service sells all the rest, right? Um, we really believe that, and, you know, we, we work very hard to keep that up. So we've got a lot of service techs driving around in vans loaded with common components, um, which allows us to have, um, you know, same-day, next-day response time to a service call, and allows us the opportunity to vet the problem ahead of time because we have a really thorough understanding of the mechanics of these machines because of Haas's, you know, common manufacturing practices over the years. Um, so we can truly vet the problem, uh, you know, before we send the tech, be there same day, next day, and fix that machine on the first visit. We have parts in the vans, we have parts in Connecticut, and then if there's not something available, it's available in California. We can overnight it, right? So it, that's the one, you know, key component when we're selling machines. Um, you know, you're not going to be in a situation where your machine is down for a week. It's just not going to happen. You know, your machine goes down, and we don't have the ball screw for your VF10. Fine, we can get it from California, right? And um, I think that you know is one of the biggest selling factors um, behind the organization and and how we've decided to do business that makes us unique to your point about the ease of the interface mm -hmm. uh, and the education system um, and the amount of money that's gone into grants and student you know aid yeah um, all very significant and I've had the great pleasure to go to several of these uh, H tech centers across the nation and, and each each one of them is um, really believe in what's going on and I think that's powerful but as a part of the additional service of that and learning the interface you guys have somewhat recently released a, a desktop or tabletop machine as well which yeah. allows for a spindle to still spin quite fast and get all the educational purposes but really learn that interface also yeah yeah that's uh, you know something that I think is really important because you know, you, uh, you see the kids program at a control simulator and that's cool. And, you know, you can watch graphics and see that move. Um, but you, you don't get the true feeling of an X, Y, and Z axis motion. Right. Uh, that desktop mill, I think is really great in that education space to, you know, jump from the simulator to, Hey, now we're actually going to make something move but it's not very dangerous. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of machines out there in, in schools and, you know, let's face it, unfortunately, the way that uh, the education system works in the, or yeah, throughout the country, these schools don't get money often. So when they do, they buy the, the best thing they can with the money that's given to them at the time and as much of it as they can. But then it's going to age for quite some time before they ever see a piece of new technology. So, you know, you've got some old machines out there that have, you know, taken a lot of crashes and, you know, gotten pretty beat up, but also that aren't really necessarily applicable to, um, you know, the industry at this point because it does evolve so quick. What I'm seeing, you know, with the product lines that are, you know, uh, out there and then the price points specifically, um, I cover all of the technical uh, high schools in Connecticut. And 
those guys, you know, those instructors are incredible, and they're calling up asking for you know, five axis machines, full five axis machines, whether it's a UMC 500 or a mini mill with a TRT 70 on it, you know, they're, they want to educate high school students to that level, uh, which I think is really incredible. But I think that desktop mill is, you know, a piece of the puzzle um, to, to jump the hurdle from conceptually, this is a, a controller to this is what it actually does. Mm -hmm. And to your point earlier about one of the significant natures of Haas is old controllers and new controllers still mm -hmm. look the same. Yep. As an educational institute, if I need to invest in something that I know I'm not going to have funds for a few years down the road, I'd like my students, whether I've had a machine for one year, five years, or ten years, that when they step out onto the workforce or into the workforce, that machine interface is still the same. Yeah. So if they're not getting funds all the time, another valuable point too if it's a five-axis machine, fantastic. I'd love to see more people understand five-axis machining in high school. That'd be sure. great. But if that doesn't work, the desktop machine offers that same understanding for all the Haas machines. Yeah. And, yeah. and if funds aren't going to be flooded into the educational system, then this is what we get to deal with. Sure. And this is a great answer to that. And that's a perfect segue into, you know, kind of my last point when I'm talking about what makes us unique is – yeah, we're, we're, you know, investing in the schools and, you know, all of that, but that's able to provide such a good service to the industry because they buy a Haas machine, it's a much higher likelihood that they can find someone who knows how to run it, right, because of those pieces and, and what they've done there. So, you know, that's really been huge for us, and you know, we're in nearly every technical high school. We're in a lot of just standard high schools that happen to put in an advanced manufacturing program. We're in, you know, a ton of community colleges and, you know, four-year universities. So, um, you know, that's, that's a good selling point for our customer base when they're considering, you know, purchase of new equipment, you know, okay, who's going to run it? Well, we can provide you with five schools in your area that are training people on them. That is awesome. So I know you and I can talk until the morning comes. Yep. <laughs> um, we can talk for 24 hours straight, but I don't want to keep you too long. However, sure. I will leave you with this one question. Um, what kind of advice would you have to offer for someone who would be interested into joining us in this industry? What, uh, so the one piece of advice that I would offer is to go visit some really technical, advanced companies and try to get a true understanding and appreciation for what this industry really is because there's a perception out there and perceptions are tough because perceptions unfortunately become reality. There's a perception out there that the machine tool world, machining industry is a dark, dungy factory, dirty conditions, smelly, etc. And there are some state-of-the-art companies out there that are paying very good money for skilled labor, and it, the job is interesting, it's unique, you're actually supporting, you know, uh, I mean, limitless industries, but whichever one you want, and um, it's way cooler than, than people think it is. That's awesome advice, and out of my own curiosity, um, maybe just in your region, are there advanced companies like that that offer school tours to maybe get these some of these kids inspired sure yeah yeah there's actually quite a bit of them um you know they 
because they need it as much as, as anyone else. Sure. Um, so, yeah, there's some really advanced companies in the area um, that have all sorts of, you know, high-end expensive equipment and very well-lit, you know, clean facilities that will absolutely do that. Um, and it's exciting to see. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for being here with me and sharing your wisdom. I do appreciate it. Absolutely. Guys, thank you for being a part of the gun show where we bring artificial intelligence to life. I'll see you on the next one.